Welcome to the Dear Beloved podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jean, founder of the Beloved Collective, and together we will dive deep into relationships, femininity, and the stages leading up to marriage from a Catholic perspective. Here you'll find real conversations rooted in the truth, dispelling the lies found in our culture, and learn practical ways that we can keep Christ at the center of our lives and relationships. Dear Beloved, welcome back. Today in the States, we are celebrating Independence Day, the 4th of July. Um, So if you're here tuning in from the States, happy Independence Day. And if not, well, this is our big holiday where we are celebrating um, our independence. So it's a great day for us, and it's a great day to start talking about community um, because, you know, independence is found outside of community, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but at the same time, why we celebrate Independence Day is for our communities. So it's beautiful, it's all interconnected, and I wanted to dive into that today when we dive into Find Your People by Jenny Allen. This book, like I mentioned, if you heard a couple episodes back or on social media, I've been loving this book. I've been diving into it. I've been so excited um, because it really speaks to a need that I see in my own life and in countless lives around me for the need for community. And what I love about this book is that she not only brings up the why we need community and what went wrong, um, but also gives us practical ways to start living our lives with community again. So um, I've been loving this book and I can't wait to dive into it with you guys. So today, so for the whole month of July, we're going to be diving into this book. Um, So today's topic is the first part of the book, which contains the first four chapters. Um, And this part is uh, titled, We Need Each Other. So it's essentially the idea of behind why we need community. And then next week, we will, um, next week and the week after, we'll split up part two because that's where all the practicals are. Um, and then the last week, we'll just finish up the book um, with what she has in there for part three. So that's the game plan. Um, so there's a lot to this book. Um, it's not super long, but it's like I find myself nodding along to like every little thing. Um, and so to do something like this. I don't want to like just read the whole book (laughs) to you guys. Um, but I'm not really sure how long this will take. So let's just dive in because, um, it's deep and it's rich and these things are really, really good to be talking about all the time. So, um, yeah. So she starts off the book, right? The book is called find your people and the author is Jenny Allen. Um, And she starts off the book in part one um, by, you know, stating this fact, like, we need each other, right? And this is true, of course. (laughs) We know we need community. Um, And so in the introduction, actually, she starts off by saying, like, we need people. Um, We are, and, and just recognizing that we're more disconnected as a culture than ever before right? So first of all, we are living individual lives in our individual homes, right? We're not really in the village setting anymore. Um, Generations are living together instead of multi-generational families, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's lots of things um, that make us more disconnected now more than ever. But on top of that, um, 
there is a lie that is out there and that a lot of people are believing. Um, and so this lie is hindering us from creating even deeper relationships, even though we know we need them. And the lie simply is that you are alone, right? And we know that that's not true if we think about it in in the aspect of every single person hears this, you're not alone, or you, you are alone, because even in that fact that everyone thinks that they're not alone, they're not alone, or that they are alone, they're not alone, right? Um, everyone is hearing this lie, um, so it's not specific to me, it's not specific to you, it's, it's everyone is hearing it um, in our culture, so that's the first thing we have to just acknowledge to step forward into this is that, yeah, there is a reality that we're disconnected. But on top of that, there's a lie that the devil is trying to make us uh, believe about ourselves and believe about the people around us, that they want nothing to do with us. And that couldn't be further from the truth as we'll dive in and see. So just blanket statement at the top of this introduction, that's what she's saying. Um, And then she finishes up this conclusion by stating her hope for this book, her hope for those of us who are journeying through this book with her. Um, And she says, and I quote, I want us to trade lonely and isolated lives that experience brief bursts of connectedness for intimately connected lives that know only brief intervals of feeling alone. Yes, I want that too. So um, that's her hope in writing this book and her hope for every single person who is reading this book. So without further ado, let's dive into chapter one. So chapter one is all about that we're made for connectedness. We're made for community, right? We're made for community. We're made for connection. We're made for relationship. And not just occasionally, these things and not just occasional relationships or occasional connection, but all the time. But the reality is that we haven't built our lives up this way. Um, The way that just society lives and breathes today um, does not support this way of life. And so if we are truly striving for a life of connectedness and relationship and community, then we must rethink and frankly, rebuild the ways uh, or how we live and the way in which we live. Um, And she asked the question, are we supposed to live our lives so disconnected from others? And the answer is no, we're not supposed to live that way. And so how can we, um, how can we change that, right? How can we build it better? And that's kind of the central question that this book is asking. Um, But the reason, you know, we can know from a lot of reasons, a lot of ways, how we can come to the statement that we are made for community, we're made for connectedness, we're made for relationship. We can come to that conclusion from many, many, many different ways, (laughs) right? And that's a good thing because that's the truth. And if that didn't happen, you know, then it wouldn't be as true, but it is. Um, and I'm sure you have a, have had a similar uh, experience to this, but I can vividly remember um, one time after having like a really long, meaningful conversation with a friend and laying in bed later that night and just like with this huge smile on my face, like just so exuberant with joy, even though it's like midnight and I should be sleeping um, <laughs> because... I just felt 
so seen and loved and also that I'd given of myself, right? That this, this connection that we made in this conversation was so, um, deep and it, it really filled the recesses of my soul that I didn't even know necessarily that were there, um, and and it just and it just spoke to me that there were there are things that we crave and and things that we can do to fill it that tells us of how we were created right because you know the level of fulfillment and depth that can be um can, that this invokes can only be a response from something god given god designed he god made us this way and we live whole lives when we experience life in a way that's connected and full of community. And I hope, I really hope that you all have had that experience before. I know I haven't. It's not just been once or twice. Like I've had that experience many times. And every time after that experience, I am renewed in my efforts to make this a continual thing, right? To seek out these relationships, to seek out these conversations, to do all sorts of things um, so that I can feel this way more. And not only just for me, but also because I know it's so good for me, it's so good for other people, right? Um, The people that I am communing with. Um, But that doesn't always stay the course. It doesn't always, I, I lose momentum and things like that. So every time that that does happen, I'm then renewed in my efforts, but it's not constant, right? And that's what we're trying to build up towards. And before we go any further, I want to mention something that Jenny mentions in the beginning of this book. And she she says, I begin this journey with you aware of two things. That first, people make up the best parts of life. And I think we can agree on that, right? And second, people make up the most painful parts of life. It is possible to live connected, intimately connected to other people, but connection costs something more than some are willing to pay. So she says this right at the beginning of the book, and I think that's so great. Um, And she does continue to come back to that point of, Yes, people are the best (laughs) and also the worst. And when we're talking about connection and we're talking about community, we must talk about both in relation to each other, but also both in and of themselves. Because it can be easy to think about community and relationship and connectedness in terms of we need it, we were made for it, and rainbows and butterflies. But it's also... um, not as fun to think of it in terms of, well, we are all broken and we're all sinners. And so the people who we do come into contact with that, that make up our communities and that make up that connection with us are not perfect. And so they will hurt us and we will hurt them. And that's just a fact of life at this point. Um, And it can be really hard to want and put forth energy and um, desire and just put forth our best foot when we know that we're going to be hurt. So we almost have to go into it uh, with the best intentions in mind, not only for us, but also giving everyone like the benefit of the doubt or more importantly, like seeing the best out of them, 
right? Willing the best to come from them. Because if we go into a situation, into a conversation where we're expecting to be hurt, we're already coming from a place where we're closed off and not as open. And she talks about this later in the book when she talks about vulnerability. Um, So we won't just dive into it completely here because there's a lot more in this first part to cover. But um, those two things, it's really important to remember and remember in relation to each other. Another thing that we do (laughs) that she mentions in the book, and I remember reading this and being like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I do this all the time, is that we wait for connection, right? And what she means by this is like, we've all done this, right? And if you haven't, like, I want to be your friend because you sound like an awesome person. Um, But we all wait for someone to reach out to us, like for a plan to be set and for the invitation to be secured, right? We've all done this. As an introvert, I've done this more times than I care to admit. Um, (laughs) But there also comes a time when I'm like, okay, enough's enough. Like I'm just, I'm too lonely to care anymore and I'm just going to reach out right? I'm going to be the one to say, hey, like, let's, let's hang out. And, and like, it's funny because it's usually met with, yes, let's do it. Can't wait to see you type messages. And it's only occasionally met with, oh, sorry, can't right now, but yeah, let's do it soon. And either way you look at it, it's a positive response. Um, the connection was initiated and that friend knows that you're thinking of them. So that's an important thing to recognize too, is that we all do it. We all wait for connection to happen to us when in reality, if we want that to happen, we need to be the one stepping forward, putting our foot forward, um, inviting others to that connection with us, inviting others into our lives because we are going to get stuck waiting and waiting, waiting if we are waiting for people to invite us us into others lives so that's my encouragement to you and she also encourages in the book to step out and stop waiting for the connection and make it yourself Um, and then she goes into this scientifically you know this this kind of nerdy mind um, idea of our network right and maybe some of you have heard this um, but Research suggests that we can only handle about a network of 150 people. Okay, so 150 people. Just imagine that for a second. If you were to see 150 people standing in front of you right now, you'd be a little overwhelmed. But if you if you are picking out 150 people from a stadium of people, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's nothing, right? So it's all perspective. But essentially, research suggests that we can only handle about a network of 150 people in our lives. And that also, that same research also suggests that we can handle only about 50 people into what we call our acquaintances, okay? So then within those 50 people, so we're doing kind of like a a funnel, right? So within those 50 people, there are 15 people that we consider part of our village, right? And then even within that, within our village of 15 people, we have a capacity to make about five of those people our best friends, like our BFFs, 
like the people we would do everything with, live our lives with, so intimately connected. So the key to how you determine who is where in your 150 people um, is time. How much time you spend face-to-face with a person is what determines where they fit into your 150. Time is our best asset when it comes to building deep community. And that is so amazingly true. Um, and it's it's incredible what some time can do to really uh, propel relationships forward. It's really beautiful. Um, but I wanted to share this research with you because I, I'd heard some parts of it before, but it's really interesting and neat to see. And it's also a reprieve for all of us introverted folks out there to have kind of some boundaries, I guess, in a way of like, we don't need to be friends with every single person in the world. And we can kind of take a deep breath and uh, appreciate that and really focus on our 5, 15, 50, and 150 people. Um, That makes me breathe a sigh of relief (laughs) for sure. Um, And I wanted to share a quote that she says here um, on page 10 in the book, yeah, guys, we're only on page 10. Like she, she put a lot in there. Okay. Um, but so on page 10, she says, we've replaced intrusive real conversations with small talk and we've substituted soul bearing, deep connected living with texts and a night out together every once in a while, because the superficial stuff seems more manageable and less risky. But let's face it, whether we live lonely or deeply connected, life is messy. I love that she continues to bring that up because I definitely live in this more idealistic world. Um, So it's good to kind of bring that back into um, reality a little bit. Um, But it's so true. When I read that line, I was like so convicted that that's what we have done and I'm so done with it. Like, I don't know if you are done with it, but small talk is kind of the worst. Um, And every time you kind of want to go deeper um there's like all these feelings that come up of like what if they don't respond right or what if they think I'm just too nosy or xyz right there's all these doubts and then also on the other side of that if someone asks us a really personal question or just a deeper question than a small talk question we're like really thrown aback right and I don't want to live in a world where that's the case I want to live in a world where we can ask each other uh deep questions and really get to know people and have people get to know us. So um, that's that's what she's kind of mentioning here. And historically, people have lived much more connected lives than we do now, right? Thanks to the village way of life. Historically, from the beginning of time, we've lived in uh, villages. And when a village got too big, it broke up into smaller villages. Um And we don't live that way anymore. (laughs) We don't. And we live in these massive, massive communities, yet we still feel more isolated and more alone than ever because in reality we are. Um, So what is the path to connection? What, What makes us then go into connectedness, right? So this is chapter two. And she talks about how we are made for a community. And we can see this through uh, scripture in many, many places, right? We see this all through scripture. Um, And then we also see it in how Christ himself lived his life here on earth, right? Again, the funnel uh, idea here. He had 72 disciples, 
right? He sent out the 72. But within that, he had 12 apostles. And then within those 12 apostles, he had an even closer three who he was closer to, including, not including, but also part of this is his mother and then the women who also accompanied him. So it's an amazing, it, it's amazing that um, how we are made can become clear to us just by our experiences, right? When we experience something that is in line with our design, um, because nothing else, nothing man-made or nothing else can really compare to that experience. And that tells us something about our creator and about who we are. Um, and this connection that we feel after a long, meaningful conversation or how we feel with our best friends, our family, our spouse, or eventually our spouse, um, tells us something of how we were made. But with everything that comes from God and that is good, <laughs> there's also another reality out there. The, the, the devil, the enemy, he hates community. Um, and this should not come as a surprise to us, <laughs> right? That doesn't come as a surprise to us, but we must be aware of it so that we can best combat it to combat the enemy um, because the enemy really wants to divide us. And we see this so clearly in our lives today in our, in 2022, the devil is dividing communities like crazy, but that could only happen. That division can only happen when we start to feel disconnected and already living isolated lives. So this has been in the works for a long time. Okay. So, um, it's good to be aware of these things so that we can best combat it. She says here on page 28, she says, we are called to be a community of people on a mission, delighting in God, delighting in each other, redeemed and reconciling the world, bringing them and inviting them into this family. This is the ultimate purpose of community. I think that's so great. She really uh, was able to put that into words, um, what, what we're made for in that aspect. Now, I want to take a minute and talk about independence. Like I mentioned at the beginning, we would talk about this, and it's fitting that this airs on Independence Day here in the States um, when we talk about this chapter in specific, uh, specifically, but Jenny Allen mentions it in this book, um, and it mirrors some of my own thoughts that I've been having recently about um, independence and, and just everything that goes along with that. But she says that in the past 250 years, while we have been busy proving our independence, right? Not only as a, uh, a country, but also um, in our own individual lives, loneliness has gone up. It's skyrocketed. Um, and the truth remains that we need people. It's a simple truth, um, but it's really hard for some people to swallow. Um, and when we start to think that we are smarter or know better than God who designed us, and our animate that we are independent, that's where we get into trouble. It's not good for man to be alone. God says this at the very first page of the Bible in Genesis. He tells us that it is not good for man to be alone. And if we are saying that we know more about it than he does, who he created us, um, then we are arrogant and we need to have a humility check <laughs> a little bit. So you can see in this that we crave 
community. We crave a village. We crave for something more. Um, and we're jumping into chapter three if you're following along. So we're jumping to chapter three and we're craving a village, right? In the book, Jenny talks about how we live lives driving across town to see our friends, right? And meanwhile, while we're driving across town stuck in traffic, we're wishing all of our friends lived closer to us. But she says in the book, like, what about our neighbors? Why aren't our neighbors our friends? Why don't we make them our friends so that we don't have to drive across town, right? Why don't we build villages where we are? Um, and part of that is that we don't want to feel, we, we don't want to seem um, needy to the people who live around us, right? Needing each other is not a weakness. It's a strength, like she says in the book. Um, we do everything alone in our individual houses, but we do need each other. Life would be more fulfilling and more full of joy if we did it alongside other people. That's just a fact. And we know that to be true. Um, so why don't we just reach out to the people around us who are around us right now? And she talks a lot about this and further on in the book. So we'll just leave it at that for now. Um, but this part I found was really interesting. And she says, when I slow down and really consider what life looked like back in the Garden of Eden, I see five realities, okay? The first is proximity. They enjoyed physical closeness to each other and God. The second is transparency. They were naked and unashamed, fully known and fully loved. The third is accountability. They lived under submission to God and to each other. The fourth, shared purpose. They were given a clear calling to create to care for creation. And fifth, consistency. They couldn't quit each other. They needed each other and shared everything together. These five tastes of heaven provide the framework for how we build healthy community in our lives today. God established a perfect community that we can work to reclaim here and now. She says this on page 43. And, um, I love that because that is exactly the framework in which she finishes or continues in the book. Um, each of these next chapters, um, when she talks about the practicalities of how to build a relationship, go right into these five. Um, and she talks about them and then she talks about how we can um, combat them um, and what may come up as obstacles as we're trying to build our communities in this way. Um, so that is uh, kind of how the book progresses. But before that, this, is this last chapter in this first section, chapter four, she talks about finding your people. And essentially this chapter serves as uh, like a reminder that we're not going to find the people we're looking for in the places that we imagine, right? Um our people won't be found in places that we expect, but we will find them if we are willing and if they are willing. For example, Christ and how he lived on earth, he found his friends in the most unlikely places, right? He was friends with prostitutes and tax collectors and fishermen. Like, sorry, but where did you hang out? <laughs> but the reality is that those were the people who were willing to be in relation with him. They were willing to leave everything and follow him. Um, and this being in relationship with him required more than small talk. It required a complete change of life, a complete change of heart, mind, and soul. And 
you can find these people too. But there also needs to be that willingness. Um, and so you may not find them in the the places you'd expect. And there may be someone who you'd think that you would be a great friend to and with um, and for, but it, they're not willing, then that relationship isn't going to move forward. I've had those situations in my life where, you know, you make this connection, you've been excited to meet this person, or you are excited when you do meet them, and you're really excited because you have a lot of things in common, and you know you would be great for each other, and you're all in, and you're willing, but they're not, and it's a really hard place to be in. So um, just serves as a reminder that the people that you are called to journey along with in this life are the people who are willing to journey with you um, and who you are willing to journey with um, that requires that double-sided willingness. And like I said briefly before, in the next chapters, she goes through the five realities that I just mentioned above, um, and it gives us practical ways to implement them into our lives to create the kind of community that we're made for. So that's what you have to look forward to next week and the week after and the week after that. So it's going to be so fun. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today, diving into Find Your People by Jenny Allen. Um, this first part is packed full of a lot of things. <laughs> so I hope you take something from it, um, anything at all. Um, there are lots of quotes in there to chew on. Um, but I just want to leave you with some encouragement that because we know we're made for this, we're equipped for it. And while we may need to learn a little bit and grow and stretch in our capacity for friendship and relationship, we can do it because we were made with this in mind. Until next time. Thanks for tuning into the Dear Beloved podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or many on social media and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to follow along at the Beloved Collective on Instagram and YouTube. That's Beloved spelled B-L-V-E-D.